We've been talking about spiritual growth, how it's organic, uh, how it's handcrafted, that we are God's workmanship, Ephesians 2, 9, 2, 10. And uh, if we are God's workmanship, we're not our own project uh, to work on ourselves. In fact, we are God's project, and he is working on us. And so, but like a gardener that prepares uh, the soil and does some weeding, sometimes does some watering, uh, a gardener can indirectly aid the growth of a seed, but doesn't, doesn't cause it to grow. I mean, there are only things that God can do. Uh, he can cause the sun to shine. He can cause the rain to fall. He can raise and lower the temperatures. And he makes things grow. We can only indirectly aid our spiritual growth. Now, there are some things that also inhibit spiritual growth, which we talked about last week, and things uh, that can aid them. And I spoke to you last week of how we all grow. Uh, we all grow through faith. We all grow, th- grow through the Spirit of God. We all grow in surrender, those three things. And of those three things, we really have little to do with those except for cooperating with God, cooperating with God and what he's doing. Now, cooperating with God can be a really big thing. You can do it for the rest of your life. It's, enough, it's, a, it's a lifetime challenge and uh, try to be a part of what he's doing. But there's also inhibitors of growth that are things that make us resistant to what God wants to do in us, the big things that he wants to do in our lives. Now, let me give an example of maybe indirect aid to growth that we can participate in. Uh, take, for example, faith, which is one of those things that, which we all grow by. Faith comes by hearing and understanding the word of God, we're told in the scriptures. Faith can be little or big. It can be strengthened or weakened. It can be increased or decreased. And according to the scriptures, faith is belief plus action. Belief plus action. Belief is based upon knowing God or knowledge of God. And and it's more than just an information-based knowledge or a type of information-based knowing. So if I'm able to know God more, there's a possibility of my faith growing if I act upon what I know of God. So how does anyone know anything about God except for what he's revealed of himself through his word? So if I read or hear the word of God and understand it, it causes my faith to grow. It's indirect growth caused from receiving the word of God into my life. Now, a lot of people understand that, and then they try the Word of God. And that's the first mistake. See, we can never participate in indirect spiritual growth by trying. We participate in God growing us through training. Now, let me explain that. Training. What do I mean by that? Well, listen to this in in Hebrews chapter 5. It says, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by occasional use have... Wait a minute, it doesn't say that, does it? No, it's not occasional use. It says, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have tried the best they can to distinguish good from evil. Wait a minute, it doesn't say that. Wait a minute, it says, who from constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. All right. We can go into training with the Word of God. Now, that's just one area. One example of something that indirectly aids our spiritual formation, and it doesn't come from trying, but from training. Jesus said 
A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who really tries hard will be like his teacher. Nope. Doesn't say that. Sorry, I caught you again. Doesn't say that, does it? A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. If God is shaping us into the likeness of his son, our teacher, one of the ways that we can indirectly participate in that shaping is by training, not trying. Listen to this from the first letter to uh, young Timothy. Uh, Sue mentioned this with the kids. Try to be godly for physical training of some value. I did it again, didn't I? It's not try, is it? It says train to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for the, both the present life and the life to come. So the Bible is telling us we need to train, not try. And again, I told you last week about this whole try harder cycle. You feel guilty, and so you, you do something, and you try real hard, and then you quit, and then you feel guilty about it, and then you try again, and it's this try harder cycle. That's when you're working on yourself and you're not allowing God to work on you. You're trying to make yourself a project instead of letting yourself be God's project, Him working on you. Train instead of try. So now what I'd like to do is just get real practical here, all right? I'd like to share with you some ways Christ followers have participated in this indirect soul training that has aided their growth. And before I do, I want to remind you again that God causes all things to grow when He likes and how He likes. You know, for example, in nature... We see things grow with the aid of, of cultivation from farmers and gardeners. That have, and when they do that, there's these high yields of produce, just, just fruit being ev- growing everywhere. But you know what? Also, we see things grow in the wild without any indirect aid. There are flowers that spring up overnight between the cracks and sidewalks. There are trees that take 15 to 20 years to mature, some 60 years before they reach the full height of their splendor. God grows things when he likes, how he likes, whenever he wants. Sometimes it's with our help, our aid. Sometimes it's not. God has made them all for his glory, and he's made all of us for his glory. So whether there's cultivating in our life, or whether it's short or long terms of growth, God causes all things to grow. But I know here's a real key thing real key thing that Jesus said. He said that we can't bear fruit without him. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it by yourself. You can't do it by your own, pulling yourself up by your spiritual bootstraps. And the father desires us to bear much fruit. He wants us to flourish, not to languish. And the big thing that Jesus said to do to aid growth is to remain in him, abide in him which kind of gives the the picture and the connotation of walking with him, abide in him. And the picture used in that scripture is is with the vine and branches where they're connected. You can't tell where one begins and one ends. So he wants us to abide in him and abide in his love. How you do that is up to you and how God designed you, like we talked last week. What I'm about to share with you is how many Christ followers of the past and present have participated in soul training to indirectly aid the spiritual formation God was working in their lives. And I encourage you, as you listen to these methods of soul training, I encourage you to to not jot one down and then go home and try it. Instead, set aside three to six months 
and determine how many times a week you're going to do that. D- determine how long each time you're going to practice one of those soul training methods. Make a plan to train, not to try. All right? So here's the first soul training method, which I think is probably a real surprise to many. But it is really something that, that Chris, Christians and Christ followers have done over the centuries. You know what it is? Rest. Rest. It's what some of you are terrible at. You stink at it and what you need to do most. Without rest, we can't continue to do what God puts before us to do. You know, in that, in that passage in Ephesians 2.10 where it says we're his workmanship, where he has work for us prepared in advance, I love that verse because there's this whole picture of that. He's got stuff out there for us to do, and we've we got to go discover it and find it. But you know what? I haven't rested, and I'm tired, and my body's weak, and so I'm too tired to go find it. I'm too tired to go on a discovery process with God. You know, without rest, a body becomes fatigued and sick. And when a body is weary, it becomes weak. And though the spirit is willing, residing in a body that is weak just means that your own body has become a spiritual inhibitor. When Elijah was trying to do God's work, he became so weary at one point that he wanted to die. And he went and sat down underneath this tree and said, I just want to die. And I'm sure God was looking at him like, Elijah, I gave you, I gave you this work. Come on, get up, let's go. And he just couldn't do it. He was worn out. He had just uh, spent time exerting himself and was totally worn out. And so what God had him do, had him take a nap. He rested. And then when Elijah woke up, God sent an angel, provided some food and some drink, and then he made him go to sleep again. Said, take a nap again, Elijah. You need more rest. And then after that, Elijah got up, and then he went on with what God intended him to do, what God wanted him to do. You know, God made the human body to work best in a seven-day cycle, with one of those days being rest, so that the other six can be productive. You know, there are people in the past, and and when you look back in history and read stuff about how we divide and measure time with calendars and days of the week, you know, there are people who have tried to do other cycles of time other than a seven-day week. But we always kind of come back to the seven-day cycle. I wonder why. Maybe because God designed us that way? Because we, we can't go any longer? We need that rest? You know, most Americans are living on too little sleep. And I know that some of us have strange schedules. My schedule isn't always so predictable or normal. Sunday is a day that I work. And so what I do is I take Friday off and practice rest. You know, there are interruptions to some of those Fridays. But I don't quit. I don't quit training myself to practice rest on those Fridays. You know, my past four and a half years here in Asheville and with Highland, I've been pretty consistent with it. You know, people will call me up and say, Shannon, what are you doing on Friday? I said, nothing. Oh, great. Well, then you can come and help me with this, right? I said, no, I'm doing nothing. Well, well yeah, but we're going to go do this. Why don't you come help us, Shannon? No, I'm doing nothing. Oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> Have fun doing nothing, Shannon. Bye. Well, that's what, that's what you got to do. You got to put on your calendar, I'm doing nothing on this block of time or this block of day, whatever it is. It may not be able to be a whole day for you. But start practicing it. You know what? There are some good things that can happen when we get some rest. You know, maybe your training could start with just going to bed earlier. Turn off the TV, 
turn off the computer, turn off any of the screens, and just get in your bed. Maybe you're not even tired. Just pull out a book and start reading it until you do get tired. It'd be good for you. You know, for three years of Jesus' life, he was pretty active, had a pretty full life, but he practiced rest. Don't you remember that moment when uh, they were all in the boat? He was in the boat with the disciples. Big storm comes up, and guess who's sleeping? Jesus. Man, what a, what a beautiful time to rest out on the lake. I would love that. That'd be nice. Mm. So take three to six months and just don't try to rest. Train in rest. You know, another soul training practice is thanksgiving. You know, this is a great aid that at sometimes at the same time puts off envy and jealousy and ungratefulness, which are just bad attitudes of the last time and are really spiritual inhibitors. Thanksgiving to God can change your whole attitude and your outlook on life and help your spirit and help you stay in step with the Holy Spirit. You know, you can hear it in Mary's song after she learned that she was going to be conceiving the Son of God. She rose up and praised to God and thanksgiving. And what did she say? She said, my soul praises the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of this servant. And when Jesus healed the 10 men of leprosy, only one came to return and give him thanks. And Jesus took special note of it. And what thanksgiving is what is due to God and it's good for our souls. Personally, I can tell you that it is something that can challenge the discouragement in my life and chase it away when I start counting my blessings, literally. One way that I've begun practicing Thanksgiving as a training of my soul is by writing down everything I'm thankful for in a notebook. It's a continuous running list that I plan to keep for a long, long time. And I pull it out from time to time, and I look at it, and I go, that is good. Thank you, God. I am thankful for that. Oh, you know what? I forgot this. I love the color of the dogwoods as they bloom in the spring. Thank you, Lord. It's good. You know, another soul training. Uh, So just again, with, with this practice of Thanksgiving, I encourage you to do the same. Find a way to practice it. Take three to six months and train in Thanksgiving. Don't try Thanksgiving. Another soul training method is a regular intake of the Word of God, which is something I'm I'm sure that many of you have heard if you've been a churchgoer for any time or length of period of time. But it's true. Not only can the Word of God aid the growth of our faith, but the Word of God can bring joy to your soul, it can bring light to your path, and it is food and nourishment for your spirit. It has only been in the last 300 years that the Word of God has become widely available to read and people literate enough to read it. What did people do for the 2,500 years before? They listened to it. They heard it. Most people took in the Word of God by listening to those who had copies of the Scriptures and could read. And in the book of Nehemiah, you see the people gathering together in Jerusalem. And what do they do? They gather from daybreak until noon, and they stand the whole time listening to the Word of God read by Ezra. Jesus spoke on the mountainsides and the lakeshores, teaching his followers, saying, this is what you've heard from the teachers of law, but this is what I tell you, and this is what you should put into practice. And then he would go on and delight the people with stories that explain God's ways, God's kingdom, and how God desired relationship with them. After Jesus established the church through the apostles, the local churches had letters from the apostles 
and they would read them out loud to the congregation and then they would tell, tell that church to pass it on to the other church. And they listened to the gospel accounts that the apostles told. Now, whether we read or listen, we need to hear with our hearts the word of God. In my soul training, I've sat many Sundays listening to the Word of God being preached. And I've also personally read on a daily basis portions of Scripture since I was 14 years old. I process things by writing. So I, 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 would, I write my thoughts. I write my questions down of what I, I read or what I, from what I hear. You know, other people, they listen to the Word of God. They listen through MP3s or CDs. That's a great way too. Take it in. Get intake on a, on a personal, daily basis. You know, if you have a smartphone, you can even install an application that I like. Uh, it's called Uversion, and, uh, which you can not only put your Bible on your phone, but you can get reading plans of all sorts, reading the Old Testament, New Testament, the Psalms, or a mixture of all, or chronological, and so you can put it all in here. Now, I know some of you already have some sort of version on, on, on your phone, and, and, and for those of you who... who may or not used to going to a church that's in the dark, uh, you know, when you see these little phones glowing and lighting up people's faces, the, most of them are looking up scripture on them. And for the rest of you who are not, and you're texting your buddies, I hope you're texting them to come here. Otherwise, you need to stop making out with your phone, all right? So I'd like to challenge you. Take three to six months and don't try the Word of God, train with a reading plan or a listening plan, all right? Another soul training method is prayer. I'm sure you've probably heard of that. But when I think of that, I think of of Hannah in the Old Testament when she was praying for a child when she was being persecuted. And Nehemiah praying before his employer just a moment before he was going to ask a big question of him. I think of Jesus getting up early in the morning, going off to a solitary place to pray where no one else was at. And then, and then while he's there, he can't even stay alone for a little while because his disciples wake up and they go, let's go find Jesus. And they go chasing him down. And where are you? Where were you? We were looking all over for you. I was trying to pray. And I know there's some, probably some mothers of young children who feel the same way as Jesus did at that moment. But I think of, uh, of I, I know most of us would probably, well, I think also the time when Jesus was praying for his disciples and, and he, he was not only praying for them, but he prayed for his future disciples and where he was praying in an interceding way. He prayed for us right here. John 17, you can read about how he prayed for you and me today. You know, I know most of us would agree that there isn't one part of our life that wouldn't be better if we brought it to God in prayer. I know it would be true. But there is also growth not only from that prayer that's just about you and God and that intimate conversation, but there's also indirect growth of your spirit when you begin focusing your prayers not just on yourself, but you begin interceding and praying for others. You know, prayer doesn't have to be long or elaborate. You know, Jesus encouraged straightforward prayer, just as if you were talking honestly with your earthly father. Now, one of the ways that, that I train in prayer is by writing my prayers because my mind really wanders. And so if I write, it keeps me focused. If not, uh, like, especially, uh, you know, if I'm just praying inside my head, I'm not praying out loud, man, I'll just be, you know, oh, dear God, thank you for this day. It's so beautiful. And 
Oh, look at the trees. Wow, what kind of tree is that? Oh, and look, there's a blue jay up in the tree, and that's a pretty bird. And, you know, and then I go, oh, I forgot. I was praying. Uh, now, I've, I've, I've been learning to, like, turn those thoughts in prayer. Lord, thank you for that tree and that beautiful blue jay. And, uh, you know, turn every thought into prayer. But, you know, uh, writing really works best for me. For others, you, that, will, that will not be your way. Uh, for others, you, you'll find another way to prayer. But uh, another thing that really works for me is walking and praying. Somehow when I walk and pray, my mind stays engaged, and I don't know what it is about moving my feet and praying at the same time, but it works. So find your way that works best and how you pray and how you can stay engaged in prayer with God and, and praying about your own life, but praying and interceding for others. Take some time in finding that best method and take three to six months and train in prayer, not just try prayer. You know, there are other methods of soul training. There's solitude, like Jesus did for 40 days in the wilderness. There's fasting from food, like Esther did for three days. You know what? You may only be able to find solitude for one hour a week or fast just one meal a week. But just take it up again for the another, uh, next week. Say, I'm going to try one hour this week. I'm going to try one meal this week. And you just do it. There is soul training through meditation, which in a biblical sense is not emptying of the mind, but rather focusing the mind upon the Word of God. As some, some would say, chewing on, the, on a small portion of Scripture. Like I shared with you how I've been trying to do with Psalm 23 before I go to bed at night. Just sit there and I let it roll through my mind. And I think it, you know, and sometimes even when I'm, I'm trying to sit there and meditate on it, you know, I'm, I just get through the first few lines. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. But you know what? What a great way to go to sleep. Thinking about the word of God, thinking about his, his love and his care for me his sheep. He's my shepherd. Meditating on the word of God. Good thing. Try practicing it. Um, You know, there's the practice of worship in the sense of honoring God with your voice, with your words and your actions. Just like King David practiced honoring God with rhythm and rhyme and dance. You know, other Christ followers of the past took up the practice of contemplation, which unlike the focusing on the word of God for meditation, is instead focusing upon Jesus himself and his character, the living word, focusing and basking in his love that is being poured out to us. I, you know, I've just started learning more about contemplation and the difference between it and meditation, but I think many of us have maybe stumbled into it accidentally, not knowing what it was. Maybe when we were in worship or in one of these other soul training practices. And we've, it's when we've sensed the overwhelming love of God directed upon us. And we've sensed beyond our five senses the presence of God. And we've just desired to bask in His love and just to adore Him. And say, God, You are good. You're holy. You're awesome, and I just want to be in this moment forever and ever. Some of you have experienced that. That'd be contemplation. It's a time where we got to figure out how to stop trying and start training. I like I like the jazz and uh, Sherman and Drew to come on up, and they're going to continue to lead us in worship. You know, when we go back to Jesus' words about spiritual growth, there in John 15, talking about abiding and remaining in Him, 
you know, what was his desire? You know, some of you may go, you know, that contemplation thing, that kind of sounds a little selfish. You just sit there and bask in his love and adore him. That's, that's kind of weird. What, what is that? Well, think about Jesus' words in John 15. John 15, 9, where he says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Jesus wants us to remain in his love. And that's what the motive and compelling of, of soul training should be about. God's love for you and your love for him. If your soul training springs from anything else, from, from a desire to impress others or, uh, or from guilt, or if your soul training springs from a comparison thing or a feeling of inferior, inferiority, then don't do it. Don't do it. Just stop. And you know what you need to do instead? You need to look at God's love for you. Recognize how big, how wide, how deep, how long, how high it is. You know, in John 3.16, one that, that really famous verse, for God so loved the world. I know some of you, you, you may be like me. You think, man, there's six billion plus people on this planet. God, God loves the world. Must be this, okay, here's his big pie of love and he's cutting up little slivers of love for everybody. You know, here's my one six billionth of, a, of his love given to me, that little piece. You know what? When you think of God that way, you're thinking of God as a man. You know what God can do? Because he's omnipresent everywhere. He's omnipotent, all-powerful. He just doesn't give you a little sliver of that pie of his love. He gives you the whole thing. He gives himself fully to you. And he can do that to you right here in Asheville, North Carolina. And he can give himself fully to the person that's over on the other side of the world in China right now. Because he is God. He's not like us. You need to know his love. You need to encounter it. You need to experience it. Because love is the only thing that will motivate and compel you to train your soul. Anything else will fail. I know that maybe most of us here have recognized that genuine love of the Father. And there's a genuine love within us that we want to return to Him. And maybe, maybe some of our struggles in, in trying to be jelly bean farmers with our spiritual growth, maybe some of that failure is just failing to realize that God handcrafted each of us. That, that really, it isn't about trying harder. And that moving from languishing to flourishing is really we just need to recognize how God made us, how we best learn, what is that, that pathway that we really connect with with God, what makes us fully alive, to start bringing those things into our lives and then putting off those things that inhibit spiritual growth. Recognize those things. Stop trying and start training. In the next few moments, we're going to do something that, that's been part of training here at Highland in that we, we bring our souls to the cross every Sunday, and we do it through communion. It's something that we participate in and enter into together as a church. It's something that we don't do by ourselves on our own, but we do with the body of Christ. In the next few moments, there's going to be some people around the perimeter of this room. They're going to be holding a goblet with juice that represents Christ's blood, a plate with unleavened bread that represents his body. And when the next, this next song is played, you can get up at any time and take that bread, dip it in the juice, 
And what Jesus did when he set this up for us, it was a, a setting it up to be a meeting, a meeting between you and him. Amen. He wants to meet with you. He also wants you to remember what he did for you at the cross. He said, do this in remembrance of me. It's the sacrifice that changes everything. God's love is always focused outside of himself on others. God's love is always sacrificial. Receive it. Take it. Once you receive it and experience it, you'll know how to give it. If you don't receive it, you won't know how to give it. We're going to pray, and then any time after that during the song, you can take communion. I just want you to know you don't have to be a member of this church to take communion. This is about belonging to Christ, not belonging to a local church. Amen. This was set up for the body of Christ around the world. Heavenly Father, in these next few moments, we want to meet with you in a special way that you design. Lord, thank you for how you gave of yourself to us. Thank you for your love. And Lord, in the next few moments, I pray that you communicate in ways that I cannot that your love would be focused upon your people and Lord that your people would recognize your love and sense it beyond their five senses I pray this in Jesus name